Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast, episode 260. It's hard to believe we've done that many of these. Um, we have uh, with us today a returning guest, Brian Flipowich, who uh, is uh, the chairman of the Aquaponics Association, puts in a ton of work uh, helping educate people on aquaponics, not only for schools, but many other types of things as well. Um, the commercial group, researchers, and all different types of things. So really, really does a lot for, for the community. So we thought it'd be great to have him on and tell us about the upcoming conference. Um, we also have uh, Marty will be joining us, excuse me, in a few, and uh, I'm not sure who else will pop in. We uh, threw the invite out to the usual, so um, we'll, we'll see who joins us today. Um, you guys also can find us. Uh, Marty and I have the class over at, at apmjclass.com. Uh, we've, we've just added another set of 15 or so slides in the last day or two. Um, so make sure you check that out, uh, constantly adding new content every week or two to the class. And uh, we have over 600, well, no, or way over that now, 700 and some slides um, and video content, walkthroughs, farm tours, uh, hands-on guides, all kinds of cool stuff, tons of videos on insects and pathogens. Um, and we're constantly adding to that database. So definitely check that out if you're looking for additional education. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, let me pull up, I for, one thing I did forget to pull up was your flyer. Let me make sure I have that up here so while we're talking. Um, so why don't you tell us a little about uh, the Aquaponics Association and, um, and what you guys got going on. You guys do a lot of work at helping organize the, uh, you know, more of the back end of the aquaponics world. And um, a lot of people are, are, are just not familiar with what the association and what they're about. Yeah, the association, uh, well, thanks for having me on, Steve, and welcome. Um, hi to everybody. The association was created in 2011. Um, I don't, uh, you know, it's it's gone through some, you know, upswings and downswings. It's, you know, it's a mostly volunteer-run organization, and um, now we have about 200 members worldwide, including about 25 affiliate members. Those are like commercial members or large institutions. And the mission of the Aquaponics Association is to expand the practice of aquaponics through education, advocacy, and connection. So we see ourselves as a neutral, middle ground for people in the aquaponics community, all parts of it, to come and meet and share ideas. And we're a nonprofit, so it's, um, you know, just a place to have a conference and have, we have monthly webinars, we have four working groups for commercial aquaponics, community aquaponics, uh, research, and STEM education. And, you know, we are gradually doing more and more, expanding our social media presence. Um, we recently added our monthly webinars this year. We have a couple different initiatives underway things are kind of tough because we don't even have one full-time staff member so a lot of what we do is volunteer based but um, we're working on a lot of different things and coming up in about 11 days 
uh, is our annual conference. Um, this year, for the second year in a row, we've had to cancel the in-person conference in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, because of COVID. And we've had to go virtual. So that stinks, but it's gonna, it makes the virtual conference. So it was going to be a hybrid conference. And we were going to be, you know, there, were, there was going to be a live conference. We had the Sheridan booked. We had all our tours booked. Um, but then all the sessions were also going to be broadcast virtually. So people were going to still be able to get tickets and watch the sessions. And there would be some interactive opportunities. But now that we canceled the in-person conference, we are devoting all of our energy towards making the virtual conference pretty sweet. It's going to be a fun time. Um, we had, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm partial and I'm, you know, promoting the conference here, but we were pleasantly surprised last year, even though it was a virtual conference, it still kind of felt like a conference. Like there was different chat rooms. You would see people over the, all over the place. Um, people were having a good time and catching up and, um, not as good as in person, but you know, now you don't have to buy a plane ticket. Um, tickets are cheaper, things like that. So so we're excited for that. That runs October 22nd to 24th. Um, yeah. uh, just as an added note on that, um, there's some great speakers there. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about some of the speakers because some really good friends of the show are going to be there. Uh, Josh from Dutch Blooms is going to be talking about uh, integrating living soil systems and aquaponics together on a commercial scale. Uh, which is super, super awesome. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out a tour of his farm, uh, he's given multiple tours on, on the show, including that last year's virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. Um, so super excited to see him presenting over at the Aquaponics Association conference and, and showing off the hard work that he's done. Uh, and then we also have Chris Trump is going to be there as well, uh, the, uh, the, the guru of gurus on Korean natural farming. So super excited to, for him to talk about um, aquaponics and KNF. A lot of people don't know, Chris Trump originally got started before he did Korean natural farming. He was doing commercial aquaponics in, in Hawaii. A lot of people don't know that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that got their start. Uh, um, Bubble Man from um, uh, Bubble Bags. Uh, his first hash he made was with aquaponically grown cannabis grown by Breeder Steve. So there's a lot of uh, overlap with aquaponic uh, culture and cannabis culture with people, you know, stuff that people don't even realize uh, uh, are, are, you know, huge, having had a huge impact early on in the industry. So it's really neat to kind of see those uh, play out. So uh, who else do we have uh, coming to the conference that you can tell us about now? I know you can't yes. talk about everybody, but I know you got a. Let me. Uh, I was looking at the speakers earlier. Well, do you, well, do you mind if I just take a few minutes to just talk about some of the features of the conference? Sure, that'd be great. Yeah, please do. Cool, and then I'll jump to some speakers. Um, so the conference um, it has over sixty individual sessions. Um, the runtime is approximately ten a.m. to nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Friday and Saturday, October twenty second and twenty third. And then it'll be about a half day Sunday, about 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so there'll be all sorts of different sessions. There'll be Q&As, panel discussions, general presentations, um, featured speakers, and fresh voices. Um, all the sessions are going to be recorded and on demand, and you will own them forever. Uh, there's an expo showroom with cutting-edge growers and suppliers. There are learning tracks for commercial, community, STEM education, research, and growing. So 
you know, there's things for all different types of aquaponics growers. That's one of the things we think is always interesting about the conferences is there's small growers, there's large growers, um, but we all learn from each other and it's fun to see the different um, aspects of the community. Um, one thing that's cool is there's one-on-one -on -one networking. There's a happy hour feature where you're maxed up with someone for like a minute and a half. And then if you like each other, you can exchange business cards. Um, and you could even set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with other attendees. Um, there's breakout discussions, which are, you know, moderated um, places for the audience to interact. Um, there'll be a virtual tour each day. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think we're going to look at a, a, um, an aquaponic system at Redlands Community College in Oklahoma, virtually. Um, we're going to look at a medium-sized commercial um, aquaponic farm in Tilapia Hatchery in Hawaii, and also um, live local organic uh, in Portland has um like three-story grow beds in their warehouse and they have a whole new setup and aquaculture set up there so um, i think those are going to be the three tours um yeah and then tickets are very affordable um if you're a edu stem educator or a community nonprofit grower or if you just like are a personal grower you can get 99 dollars tickets um the full general tickets are meant for like people that are earning income from aquaponics. Um, the, there's still sponsorships available. There's a showroom with um, vendor tables. Um, the, the lowest sponsorship is only 300, but that doesn't get you a table. That's just getting your logo up there. But then the silver or the bronze for 600 or 1,000. And then I don't know how many school teachers we have in this audience, but I will go ahead and mention it. We have this cool new aquaponics school pass in which you can get a ticket for all students and staff of a learning institution for, um, so for higher education, it would be only $300. And if you're a big agricultural school, you could literally get a hundred tickets for your students and staff for $300. For high schools, it's 200 and for elementary schools, it's only 100. Um, so, those are the basic aspects of the conference. Um, that it's uh, you know it's going to be exciting. And then let me see if I can pull up that list of speakers. Um, okay, let's see who we have here. So you. Um, Steve, you you talked to Vernon Bird a bit last year, right, from Hawaii? Yep. So he'll be there again. He um, he actually might not be live because he's in the, his presentation is on Nepal, um, and he's going to be in Nepal with um, questionable internet service. But he's going to do his recording, and if he if he can, we'll see how it goes. But he'll be there. Um, a couple research folks from some, it, it seems like the, um, like the French Department of Agriculture are going to be presenting. Um, there's going to be a Spanish language presentation and a French language presentation. The French language presentation is from Morocco. 
Um, I forget. Oh, I forget where the uh, Spanish language presentation is from. Um, Paul Brown, our board member from Purdue, is going to be given a few different presentations on his research topics. Um, you know Victor Lobanov? Yeah, he's actually a, he's all Victor Labanov is also speaking at the, the virtual Aquaponic Cannabis Conference as well. Okay, yeah, I a, a couple other people had mentioned um, him. I, I don't believe I've ever um, met him or heard him speak, but he'll. I think he's doing two presentations. Yeah, he's a, a Swedish researcher from Sweden uh, who's been working a lot on the micro microbiome of of aquaponics. Cool. Um, yeah, he'll have a couple of people to talk with there. Um, a couple of people there are talking about that. I know um, I got in touch with Bruno. I don't know if you were, were you in Hartford. Um, Bruno Sorosi. He was a um, Superior Freshes, uh, like their main grower for a bit. Then he came over to the University of the District of Columbia and I met him here in D.C. Um, but then he went back to Brazil and I was working the, at the University of Sao Paulo. Um, but he got along really well with Nick Savadov in Hartford. I think that was the only conference he was able to come to. And he's very interested in that whole, um, he called it unlocking the black box, like what a, like the whole microbial interaction of what's going on in an aquaponic system. Um, so he'll be, be here again so this year. There's so much that we're learning every day. In fact, there was just a really awesome post. And I'd say it's a really good point to bring this up. Give me two seconds to bring it up. Uh, shout out yeah. to Zenthanol uh, or Sync Angel, Matthew Gates. He's, a, um, in my opinion, one of the most knowledgeable people on pathogen control. Um, but he just posted this super cool article about how our vascular mycorrhizae um, do not process nitrogen properly without the uh, presence of, um, uh, oh, was it this one? No, where is, it? where is it? Without the presence of certain amoeba uh, and protists. And how protists, where is it here? One of these is about protists. Um, about how protists play this huge role in nitro, nit nitrogen processing in plants. Uh, why can I not find it? Of course I can't find it when I, when I want to talk about it quickly. Um, is this it? No. Anyways, uh, forget that idea. But um, <laughs> so anyways, somewhere on, on his page recently, he posted a super cool article about protists and nitrogen processing. Is this a, mm. Yes, here it is about rhizobia playing a huge role in nitrogen processing in plants. And it's like, you know, we're discovering that a lot of these things that we traditionally blanketly labeled as pathogens, actually, they, they need to be there and they need to be there in a regulated way by being regulated by populations of other microbes. And if they do that, then the plants flavor and immune system and, and color and, and growth rate really are accelerated and, uh, is really, really one of the better people to follow on, on terms of insects, especially, but um, also uh, just interesting plant articles. Um, but definitely check that out. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. And um, oh, we, all have, we also have this other great speaker um, named Steve Raisner. Looking forward to having you again, Steve. Um, and I, I thought of that because you said about the flavor. Uh, that was one of the presentations I was looking forward to about increasing the flavor of aquaponic crops or yeah, I just, crops in general. I just wanted to mention the name of that paper in case anyone's listening. It's Regulation of Legume Rhizobial Symbiosis Molecular Genetic Aspects of Participation of Reactive Oxygen Species. Um, yes, I'm super excited to um, 
present on, I'm going to be giving a talk on how to improve flavor in aquaponic crops and a lot of the different things that we've found. It was one of the things that we actually studied at the aquaponic source when I was there under Sylvia. We did extensive testing with peppers on capsaicin levels, as well as tomatoes and, and why those tomatoes tasted the way they did, uh, as well as all the work I've done since then in cannabis and other crops. So um, that'll be a really fun talk. We're going to get into a lot of the different science of why plants taste the way they do, how to improve it, and um, you know what those flavor compounds actually do for the plant beyond tasting good. Um, uh -huh. So it'll be a lot of fun. And then we're also going to talk about microbes and the we're going to kind of talk about um, insect controlling microbes, fungal controlling microbes, and mineralizing microbes, kind of as three separate sections. Oh. So that'll be awesome. Uh, and then we're going to talk about innovations for the last year in the aquaponic cannabis industry. We've had a lot of breakthroughs. Um, there's a lot of cool research projects, um, one of which was inspired by a, a gentleman from Vietnam. Uh, and a bunch of other cool things that uh, around um, open sourcing some of the data on nutrient levels and ferments and compost teas for, for people that are growing organically or sustainably like in aquaponics and living soil. Um, there's a lot of research coming out now about longer term ferments being really incredible for, for supplementing things in a way that's non-harmful to the fish. Um, so we're going to be talking a little about that, some other super cool stuff um that's uh that we've been working on as well as some some breakthroughs and pest control and some other things that we've kind of discovered along the last year so that'll be fun yeah um th th there are a few other more i can uh, i'll go ahead and mention um kendall lang the ceo of fusion farms in puerto rico um he's doing uh, a few presentations um a few of them um like displaying the farm talking about um how, the, their controlled environment and the benefits of controlled environments. Um, and also their farm is hurricane proof because Hurricane Maria that really hurt Puerto Rico um, was one of their main drivers in um, making the new farm. Um, Ken, and then another interesting um, project, for, uh, Ken Rust from Louisiana, who's been at a bunch of our conferences, did a recent um, installation of a solar power decoupled system on a prison camp in Haiti. And he's, he's going to do a presentation uh, talking about that. Um, we have a good number of commercial presentations, like um, looking at financials, looking at business models, um, case studies. Um, let's see. Oh, Wilson Leonard with um, his Symbiponic method of sizing and management which that should be he's always an interesting speaker so uh, oh, yeah, yeah. he's a great speaker he'll be speaking at our conference as well That's okay. a, yep he's got a great book out too for those of you that don't know he has probably the single best commercial aquaponics can uh, aquaponics commercial book in terms of commercial growing uh, and then he has a wonderful newer book i haven't had a chance to read the newer one that came out in the last year uh, I don't remember what it is, but he had a, a newer book that recently came out as well. Yeah, he was um, a provocative speaker last year. Um, and I was actually, the, about 20% of our sessions last year accidentally didn't get recorded. And, you know, there was just nothing we could do. And one of them was one where he was really um, um, being provocative about the aquaponics research community community how it's woefully inadequate and you know getting into little spats with some of the other folks um ah, spats are good you learn stuff when people argue yeah yeah and plus it it's, makes for interesting watching 
that's this is the new one uh the symbiponics aquaponics method i have not read this one uh, i own the paper copy and digital copy of this one i think it's one of the better reference books i don't personally agree with everything in this methodology but it's it's what the best top to bottom cover to cover book that you can get out there and there's nothing wrong in his stuff there's just different ways to do it that we differ on minorly um, but definitely uh, one of the best top top to bottom for for larger scale operations Yeah, now that I see that his session title is the exact same as his book title, I might have to charge that little rascal a sponsorship or something. <laughs> All good. Um, the, uh, uh, he is, um, for a lot of you that don't know, he's been one of the people leading the research in Australia, um, which is going through quite a bit of issues right now politically. But um, they have, uh, uh, he does have quite a bit of free things out there. I know that um, he has a couple of different calculators and things that are available out there on the internet. Um, in fact, yeah, they're right here on his, uh, you can go right here. On, oh, I hit the wrong page. You can go over to his website. Uh, let me pull it back up here, I hit the wrong button. Um, and he has calculators and stuff. So if you are looking for some reference material, um, he definitely is a, a resource for you people out there. Um, he has a you know grow bed sizing calculator and a media bed sizing calculator um, that he's put out that you can utilize to to figure those things out for your home grows. Yeah, I've used some of and he um, he has some good papers out there too. I, I remember years ago when I started, he had some good ones about sizing media beds and all that sort of stuff. And he's got a bunch of good factual F, um, uh, PDFs and stuff too. If you're looking for just reference sheets. And things. Nice. Um, another speaker is our friend Joe Pate, who will be talking about standardizing aquaponics operations. So that's kind of like what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, Steve, were you in Austin 2016? Uh, no, I wasn't in Austin. Um, I think I was in Jamaica. Or, yeah, I think I was in Jamaica in 2016. Because there was someone local there, um, Tyga Welch. Who worked a lot with Max Myers. I think you're on mute now. All right. Uh, I met them at uh, um, Lucky Leaf when I was in, in Austin. Oh, yeah. In I Austin just or Portland? In, I, uh, I spoke down in Austin in, uh, uh, a couple of weeks uh, ago. Yeah. Oh, oh, you just yeah. recently met them. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, I, and uh, uh, Rob Nash too. Uh, I finally had a chance to, to cross paths with him and see what he's doing down there. It's pretty cool. And also, uh, see one of, if you guys want to check out, we actually had a tour, full tour of one of the only three current legal cannabis operations in all of Texas. So I had a chance to tour, do a full tour of and video it. So check that out as well as on the YouTube channel uh, if you're listening to this in audio. How is Rob doing? Well, He's doing good, yeah. Actually, he's been doing aquaponic hemp the last couple of years. Uh, he's going to be presenting on that at uh, uh, at our conference. It'll be fun. Cool. He's a former association board member for a year or so, I think, 2017. Um, Tanya will be presenting. Awesome. Yep. Everyone loves T-Bone, as we call her colloquially around here. My, uh, uh, my old work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carlos Leon will be talking about aquaponics in Latin America. Um, Nick Savadol will be presenting. Um, Alan Patillo will be presenting. 
Ed, uh, Ed, Ed's another great speaker. I was going to mention Ed. Um, what's Ed's last name? Ed Tivnan. I'm, I'm sorry, was it? Tivnan. Tivnan. Yeah, he's another great guy out there who really is getting deep on the science. He's been sending out samples to different um, uh, soil samples to different groups. He sent one off to have be soil analyzed a couple of different times, which is really cool to see. Um, also, um, uh, just interesting to see the amount of, of different things that he has worked on over the years in terms of research around aquaponics. He really is one of the people pushing it uh, hardcore on the education side uh, and uh, definitely someone to, to check out if you're looking more on the, the STEM and, and edu school education side of things. Yeah, Ed will be doing, um, Ed leads our STEM working group and is in charge of the STEM learning track. And so he'll be presenting himself as well as um, Sam Fleming and Gimo Sarodio. Those are, um, and a few other people on the STEM team. I, I, I forget exactly who, um, Ed. Um, John Dupuy, and then um, uh, Paul Begay from Louisiana will also be there from AST Filters. Um, yeah, so those are some of the folks that this crowd would know. Julie Ogden will be doing some stuff on food safety, organic. And then we have a few featured guests we haven't announced yet that'll be just kind of like come out in the next few days. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think we're going to try to publish the schedule um, October 15th, so a few days before the conference starts. How do people, if they were trying to trying to get in on this and watch it, where do they go? Sure, go to aquaponicsconference.org and um, just click to tickets and it should take you right there. Feel free to let us know if you have any questions or comments. If you are just a personal grower, you work for a nonprofit or a school, you're eligible for $99 tickets. So all you have to do is fill out a form and it'll automatically, it's kind of like the honor system. Aquaponics Yep. Aquaponics with an S maybe? Mm, yeah, it is. Okay, that's why it wasn't coming up. There we go. There's your, your website if you're looking to get tickets. Um, oh, 10 days. Nerve-wracking. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I got BizCon and then I, right before this, too. So I'm, <laughs> I'm dreading it even more than you are. Uh, um, yeah, you can check them out. Uh, they have quite the long list of uh, speakers. I know we had a blast last year. I've spoken at many of these different conferences over the years. And um, it's definitely one of the, the better events to go to, if you're, especially if you're learning into aquaponics. It's definitely one of the best uh, that you can spend your time on. And um, it just supports a great cause. Um, why don't you tell people a little bit about what else the association does? Because you guys work with regulators and all kinds of stuff that people don't realize that you guys are doing. Yeah, um, we, we, we do a lot of stuff at the association. We, we you know, do public policy. We um, try to make sure aquaponics growers are represented. Um, when there's decisions made about agriculture in Washington, D.C., either in Congress or at the USDA or with food safety regulators. Um, we 
um, have an active social media presence to try to always reach new growers because our mission is to expand the practice of aquaponics. We um, we have a we have a new prison certificate certificate program in which um, prison residents are learning. Uh, taking a pretty advanced and lengthy course on aquaponics, and then they have to pass a few tests, and then they receive a certificate, and that's a big deal for reducing recidivism and improving health in prisons. Um, it could even end up saving taxpayers money, um, and so we, uh, the first few graduates or recipients of that uh, certificate, uh, they graduated this year. Let's see here. We um, this year we just launched our new uh, monthly public aquaponics webinars, and those have been really great. Um, Steve has done one. Um, we've been getting good viewership. Um, last month was on nano bubbles. It was very interesting. I think nano bubbles are uh, going to be a pretty big technology for the future. It seems to me. Let's see here. What else? Um, we have a community site where folks can go and ask questions or message each other or other members. Um, we have an affiliate program, uh, so folks like Poponics can reach new customers. Um, we publish social media posts for them, and we have an affiliates page, which needs improvement at this point. Um, but it's a place where people, you know, if anyone says, hey, what's, what's aquaponics? I want to see what are some businesses that work in the aquaponic space, you can go um, and it's a place for people to kind of check out what's going on in the world of aquaponics. And generally we like to think of ourselves as a, you know, a neutral place for people to come and talk. Uh, this is our community forum. We have an aquaponics job board here. So if anyone um, wants to uh, post a job, come in here, usually get some good views. Yeah, lots of stuff. And then it's always, you know, the nuts and bolts of actually running the association, which is not easy without a, you know, administrative staff. Just taxes can be a ordeal. Yeah, I definitely. I remember working uh, for Sylvia when she was involved with that heavily and uh, not something, unfortunately, that I have the time to do, but hats off to, to people like yourself that help organize it all. You're actually one of the people that goes in lobbies in uh, D.C. Do you want to tell us a little about some of your experiences? You, you're part of the reason why we still have organic for uh, aquaponics, for instance. Well, I, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, but that, that has been one issue we've worked on a lot, as many of the listeners know. It's been a continual battle about whether aquaponics and other soilless growing methods should remain eligible for organic certification. There's been a few court cases and votes on the National Organic Standards Board. So we, um, they have a meeting every six months and an opportunity for comment. So when that um, fight was really happening, um, we were submitting comments every six months and. I went to one of the meetings in St. Louis and gave a gave remarks about um, aquaponics and why it should remain organic eligible. Um, so overall, that fight was successful, and the NOSB voted that 
aquaponics and other soilless growing methods should remain eligible for organic certification. But since that point, a group of soil growers has sued the USDA for allowing, because the NOSB is still allowing soilless growers to um, get the organic certification. And so uh, the first court case was successful for our side. Um, but now the soil growers are challenging it again, pushing it up to the next court. So um, still not settled, but that's something we're working on. And then um, we got aquaponics into the farm bill. The last farm bill was passed in 2018 and the USDA created the Office of Urban and Innovative Agriculture and new grants for aquaponics and um, resources. Actually, last year, we got Debbie, um, Debbie Stabenow, who was the chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee, to um, give the um, intro keynote at our conference. And that was kind of fun to get someone that high profile. Um, yeah, so that's some of the stuff here in, um, in DC. And then, you know, I'm sure there'll be state legislature and state government issues sometimes. And so it's, um, it's just, you gotta stay on top of it because you never, like these, some, these regulators and legislators, they don't, they don't know aquaponics really. So, you know, they could accidentally slip some wording into some bill or something that just completely, you know, gear, uh, gums up the works. And so it's important to just kind of be, monitoring it not that we have like the appropriate staff to do it the right way but you know you gotta start somewhere yeah, no, let them know you're that, here you know we see those types of issues all the time with the aquaponic cannabis industry because um if you're an aquaponic cannabis producer you can't legally apply for a meat processing license because they're federally inspected so oh. you, you have that issue with you can't do dairy or meat um, what that includes uh harvesting fish which is oh. no those two things should have no relation to each other. It's a very goofy law, um, but it's the way it's written right now. And it's on where we have to find a third party company that'll take our, our live fish or on ice fish. And that becomes a whole issue or reselling tropical fish or some other alternative. So it's definitely, there's a lot of issues and a lot of overlap too, between aquaponics and cannabis, you know, both sides kind of don't have proper regulations um, that really understand the industry. Both sides regularly get screwed by, um, regulatory things that either aren't meant for them or are meant for them, but they don't understand the ramifications of what that's going to do. Um, so there, there's definitely a lot of regulatory overlap between the challenges that, that both communities face on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently I, had some, um, I grow some, some plants on uh, in root pouches outside here, and I recently got some powdery mildew on them. I sp I sprayed them with like a water that I put like a tablespoon of hydrogen peroxide in, and I tried to wipe the leaves down. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. So PM, there's a couple ways to solve PM, especially in a smaller home grow like that. Um, it's outside. Oh, it's outside. Okay, so um, especially when I grow like that, so you can peroxide the leaves, but it. it one can kind of harm the plant depending on how much you use and what concentration and two, 
Um, it, it will kill what's on there, but it's not going to fix the stuff because powdery mildew penetrates the cell wall of the leaf and gets inside the leaf and, and gets systemic across the leaf. It can eventually become systemic in the plant, but is locally systemic. So you're not treating the issue fully. Um, you're better off with a product. The two products that I like for PM are, is a product called Cease and Serenade. Or not uh, Serenade, Cease, which is similar to Serenade. It's like the pro version of Serenade. Um, and then there's another product called um, Sonata, which is Bactillus pamilis, which is another really good one. Um, and, or if it's a, a, a product that, you know, lettuce or something, you don't, it's not important about smokability, um, a Lactobacillus, a Labs. Uh, is, is probably the single best thing for, for PM. I've never had a single strain of PM survive a good lab spray, um, no matter what, what, what it was on. So um, that by far is the best go-to as far as, uh, oh crap, especially if you have it on hand. Uh, anyone doing aquaponics we've, has probably heard me harping on and on and on about the benefits of lactobacillus and uh, the food safety aspects of how it can improve food safety. But it, How do you uh, store it? So um, I, we const uh, me personally, I make new stuff regularly. Once or twice a week, I make a new batch. But um, uh, from from the culture from the previous one. But yeah. um, if I need to store it, you can actually cut it fifty to fifty five percent with sugar to lock up the the oxygen in the, in the solution, and, and then store it that way, and then add it as a basically an inoculant, um, you know, a teaspoon per you know two gallons or so. Um, uh, and it works extremely well as far as waking it back up. But I personally, I, so there's, there's a uh, benefits and, and downsides. So the good thing is if you're in an area where you didn't have a ton of climate control, making a bunch and storing it through the winter is really good. But if you have the luxury, making it fresh, you're going to get a lot more vitamin B. One of the other benefits to lactobacillus is that um, it has a lot of a different vitamin B complexes. So if you have a wide variety of lactobacillus, you can actually get a really wide variety of vitamin B complexes, vitamin B3, B6, and so on and so forth. Uh, and they actually work as a growth en enhancer. So that'll accelerate growth rate. Um, so you can not only get rid of the E. coli and salmonella in your system uh, and powdery mildew and septoria and um, anything else that might attack your roots, uh, root rot and other things. Um, you're also um, uh, accelerating growth rate directly through vitamin B uh, uh, additions, uh, and th that being hyper available through the root system. Nice. That's one of the reasons why I regularly tell people you really should be inoculating your kefir, uh, a kefir into your lactobacillus, or, uh, go get the probiotics from the back of the, go to the pharmacy and tell them that you just had a bunch of antibiotics and your doctor told you to go get some probiotics and they'll give you a jar. I have a, a YouTube video on this on my, on my YouTube too. Um, but they'll give you a bottle. It's behind the counter, but it's not, you know, it's over the counter sold, but it, they keep it in the fridge behind the counter um, mm -hmm. of lactobacillus bacteria. That's, it's like 30 different lactobacillus. Uh, and you just drop, you know, crack two or three of those pills open in your, your labs, throw the rest of the bottle in your fridge in case you screw it up. And, and you got a great uh, inoculant for your labs. And, and not only that, but the vitamin B levels you get off of diversifying your lactobacillus are just sky high. Mm. Yeah, I, I always wish I had more time for actual growing because most of the stuff I do is on a computer, both for the association and then my local work. I, the growing I do is like, well, some of the stuff I do at school, but like a lot of it is just my hobby stuff. But that's um, gradually I hope to be able to devote more and more of my time to the actual growing. So, Awesome. Um, yeah. Is there anything? Uh, what other, uh, anything else you want to tell people about aquaponics? Maybe people that are, you know, haven't had a chance to really learn much about it. 
Well, that's one of the issues we have is that there, it seems like there's so many different angles that like, you know, where do you begin the story? And, um, and it depends so much about like, what is someone's interest? Like there's water savings aspects versus food miles versus the fact that we're not using as many pesticides and synthetic fertilizers. So um, I would say that the, the thing is that it's, it's a self-enclosed ecosystem of fish, plants, and bacteria, and it kind of forces you to manage it in a holistic way that those three different types of life forms are healthy, and it leads to a lot of good things. Oh, yeah. And the flavors you get off of aquaponic crops, or be it uh, lettuce or cannabis, really are a step above the rest. So, for sure. Well, um, anything yeah. else you want to mention to us before we'll let you go? I know you're on the East Coast and uh, um, we had planned on doing a little bit of a briefer episode. So um, thanks a lot for coming on. What, how, uh, how can people find you and all the awesome work that you're doing? And uh, uh, what else is there um, if they're looking for more education on, on you know, this type of stuff and through the association? What, what other resources can they, uh, they find? Yeah, um, well, I would say first, just in general, our website is aquaponicsassociation.org. Um, if you're interested in coming to the conference, aquaponicsconference.org. Um, the our aquaponics community site is public, so you can go and make a login and still follow what's going on there. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Uh, we try to post at least once a day. And then you could also sign up for our monthly public aquaponics webinars, which are free. Um, as the title implies, they are once a month. So if you miss one one month, you know, stay tuned to our social media channels and you'll see the flyers and you sign up and, um, you know, start to meet the different people that are in our community and ask questions yeah awesome. and um there's a quick link to that and then uh, you can also find them at uh at aquaponics association on instagram uh, and twitter and all the things they have a facebook page too so check them out um and yeah thanks a lot for joining us uh, my pleasure really thanks for having me again steve yeah it's always fun to help you guys out and uh i love being part of the association and, and helping kind of shape this stuff i think there's a lot of a lot more, always more work that needs to be done, but uh, it's nice to see and be with, you know, fellow people that understand that and uh, all, all that's involved in some of the different things. But also it's been neat too, kind of having been around, I think yourself and myself and um, there's only a handful of us left that have been around for a long, long time since the early days back when, uh, when I was still at Sylvia's and uh, it's really kind of neat to kind of watch it over time, kind of evolve and, and become what it is today. So yeah um it's we're still kind of at an inflection point of the of the you know industry in terms of you know more and more commercial farms of significant scale and things like that so it'll be it'll continue to be interesting well it's certainly exploding i tell you last year we only had uh australian speakers canadian speakers and american speakers at the the aquaponic cannabis conference this year we have sweden switzerland south africa uh, Vietnam, um, and, you know, there's a lot more in the world that's starting to 
to come yeah. on and they're wanting to do things sustainably and it's pushing a lot of money into research and other things that kind of didn't really have a good source for, for that type of research earlier on. Um, so you're seeing that also feedback into that as well. So it's kind of nice to see, you know, all different aspects of the industry really helping uh, uh, bring it to the forefront. So, um, and uh, 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 what's the date on your, uh, the Aquaponics Association Conference one last time before we wrap it up? October 22nd through 24th. All right. Yeah. Well, um, you guys can check that out at the Aquaponics Association Conference. And if you guys are looking for, um, uh, oh, hold on one second. I actually have someone that wants to join us here. One of the other speakers from the conference, actually. Oh. Yeah. If you have to run, I understand. I can stick around another five or ten minutes. I just know that it's getting uh, late over there on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do go to bed relatively. I have a three-year-old daughter, but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Got to her, teach her how to be a fish herder. Yeah. It's hard to herd fish. <laughs> yeah, catching fish definitely can be a tricky uh a tricky uh thing here yeah. actually um while we're doing that um we'll quickly mention the uh the conference that i'm hosting as well uh i'm also hosting the second annual virtual aquaponic cannabis conference if you guys are wanting to check that as well it is after the uh aquaponic association conference uh schedule wise so you can check them out uh, and then uh, add additional education to your repertoire. Um, that'll be live on my YouTube channel. Um, we were originally going to try and do an in-person thing out here in Oklahoma. Um, just like you, we had a whole venue lined up and everything. And then we ended up pulling the plug on that because too many people um, were just not going to be able to travel. Um, so we're definitely hoping for next, next time to uh, be able to do that. Um, but we have, I'll be speaking first at 8 a.m., uh, and then we have Sweetwater from South Africa, Symbiosid from Switzerland, uh, Aquilitas, one of the biggest producers up in Canada of aquaponic cannabis. Um, we have Dragonfly Earth Medicine, who if you don't know who they are and you're into aquaponics or cannabis, you really should. They put out a ton of awesome educational information uh, on regenerative and sustainable gar gardening in, in all aspects. Um, you have Thumb Genetics, who's one of the main uh, or the largest current aquaponic cannabis producers in Michigan. You have Matthew Gates, who's a IPM extraordinaire. Um, you have uh, Caleb of Copyleft Cannabis, who's going to be talking to us about cannabis patents and patent left, the copyleft patents. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Chris Trump and KNF. He's also going to be at the Aquaponics Association Conference. Um, we'll have Dr. Wilson Leonard, who will be at both conferences. We'll have a commercial panel with a bunch of different commercial scale producers uh, from around the world. Um, Dylan McAdam, who's a craft producer out of Saskatchewan. Uh, if you guys are familiar with the Aquaponic Cannabis Facebook group, most of those pictures are of his grow on the banner. Um, he won the last three banner contests. Um, <laughs> and that's all by vote, not, not, not cherry picking. Um, we have Quan Con Femme from Vietnam, who's been doing it. Probably some of, in my opinion, the coolest research currently in aquaponic cannabis or aquaponic production period in regards to mineral supplementation. Um, and, and ferments as supplementation. Uh, we have Wendy Kornberg, who's another CANF expert 
Uh, and then on the second day, we have breeder Steve, um, who's the founder, the, in my opinion, the grandfather of aquaponic cannabis, the first one to document it in writing. We also have Angela Tenenbrock, who's a food safety expert. I know used to do a lot of work with the association. Uh, we have Victor Labanov, uh, who's also going to be at the Aquaponics Association Conference, uh, talking about uh, all kinds of awesome stuff. And we have Joe Pate, uh, again, also going to be at, at both conferences. Um, we have Tanner Stewart who, from Stewart Life, the aquaponic cannabis producer out of Canada. We have Dutch Blooms. Welcome, Josh. What's going uh, on, man? How you doing? Good. Um, Josh will be speaking at both conferences, the Aquaponic Association Conference and at the Virtual Aquaponic Cannabis Conference. Um, we also have Kevin McKernan, who's going to be talking to us about soil microbiology and soil assays kind of much better than some of the, uh, the bro science that's been put out there by some of the microscope people um, in terms of, of what's going on in your soil in terms of ratios and all the rest. So really cool talk. Uh, and then uh, Rob Nash from Austin Aquaponics has been growing hemp for three years down there. It'd be super cool to talk to him about it. Uh, we have Clackamas Coot, who uh, founded a Coots Mix. We have Dr. Robert Faust, uh, who did a ton of work on humic fulvic acids and kelp. Murray Hollum from Australia. Um, we have a homegrown panel with a super awesome uh, uh, moderator. Uh, same thing with the craft grown. And then Marty to close things out. So I think you guys will really like it. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Josh. Yeah, man. I, uh, I was just uh, rolling a doobie and, and often I do. So I put YouTube and I saw you guys were up. So I was like, oh, shoot. Cool. Cool show. So you want to give a, a little preview about what you'll be talking about at the conference, at, a, at the association conference, the Aquan Association? Yeah. The, at the, the, Brian, thank, by the way, thanks. Nice to meet you, sir. Um, I sent, I sent an email application and really appreciate you inviting me on to the, you know, um, I'm, I'm excited. I've been, I've been doing aquaponics, um, since about 2009, 2010. Um, I, I started and did, did, um, uh, heirloom tomatoes and, um, and super hot peppers in Minnesota. I was and and I also did microgreens and I converted to some, some pretty cool systems and spent two or three years learning, learning that. And um, but now I, I, I'm a historically a cannabis grower and I've kind of converged my soil growing systems with with aquaponics. And so what I do is I harvest uh, fish poop essentially, and I uh, aerobically sterilize or stabilize the minerals and then apply that to my soil beds um, on, on regiment. And, um, I've turned that actually that, that small production scale into uh, a property size thing where all the water that comes off my greenhouses and my house and all the buildings feeds into a, a pond or a channel that is recirculating and has a big, um, radial flow filter mini pond system in it that I can go in and suck out with my diaphragm pump and pull out the, the fish, uh, poop and, and the leaf debris and amphibian poop that's naturally occurring and, and, and aerobically stabilize that. And then I use that in my system. And so I, I guess that's the basis of my talk is to kind of walk through the system and walk through my process and learning this in the last uh, 10 plus years and, and um, where I've come to, you know, there's, there's lots in my mind, there's lots of many, many ways to skin the, the organic cat Um and I think there's a few ways we can skin the aquaponic cat uh, too. And, and that's kind of where I've come from is my own like personal learning. And it, and it really has focused on cannabis because 
I'm such an avid cannabis enthusiast as I am with peppers and, and, and whatnot, but I really see it in the cannabis. Um, I can really judge the quality and, and what's, what's happening because I'm, I, I care so much about it and I smoke it so much. And so. Um, that sounds like a great presentation um, because a lot of people are interested in soil regeneration and, and incorporating it with soil, not just a self-enclosed system. So I think a lot of people it, will find in it. In my useful. mind, it, yeah, in my mind, I think every uh, permaculture or organic or regenerative farm needs like even just a thousand gallon aquaponic system to pull nutrients from like bare minimum, you know, like it really would, it would feed an acre to two acre, a thousand gallon aquaponic system feeds an acre to two acres of, of uh, land farming, if you will. So. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I, I wanted to just say, uh, I've had the chance to not only, uh, visit Josh's class, but teach a, or visit Josh's farm, but teach a class with him at his farm. And he is really one of the coolest, most unique farms that's out there that really truly incorporates living large scale, regenerative living soil uh, with aquaponics in a, you know, very integrated farm size design where he is, you know, uh, maybe just give him a quick rundown of, of the layout of your farm. Cause it's super, super cool. Sorry. What was the last, what did you say? Give him a rundown of what? Oh, just a, a quick uh, uh, vi uh, idea of your farm. I'll throw some visuals up, but just how you have the pond and the and all of the flow through stream and everything else. It's so yeah. So, so I, I essentially started with like, okay, I'm gonna. It's multifaceted. It's that water conservation is one huge part of it, and I'm actually Brian. I don't know if you know, but I put on a conference, the, the Science of Regenerative Organic Cannabis Cultivation Conference, and this year's theme is is all about water. And because it's like, I'm in Washington state <clears throat> myself. Um, so we don't, we aren't really pressed on water at the moment. And we have a bountiful supply of water. We actually create our energy where I live off of, off of the water supply, off the, the, the mountain runoff, you know, mm -hmm. but it's the, the writing is on the walls. The different corporations have already laid claims to the water supply and they're literally waiting to push the button to start charging us. And uh, like, like California, you know, California is already there and it's going to follow suit West Coast to the rest of the country. In, in my mind, as water scarcity becomes an issue and, and it, it increases, it raises the, the need for aquaponics because aquaponics is a water conservation deal. Um, but in my scenario, um, I, I need, you know, because I, I couldn't afford to build an acre farm aquaponic, aquaponically. That's essentially where the dilemma came to me. Like I, I was really familiar, but I couldn't afford to build out what I wanted to aquaponically. And so I looked into the soil and then I built a pond. Um, I built a pond and that because my, my property is on a slope, I could build a pond and then I, I dug a trench and built another like small pond and that small pond became my radio flow filter. And I'll, I'll show some pictures of this, you know, in the, in the, in the um, talk. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have a stream that it flows through and then it can, you know, all the biology can do their, do their thing. And I'm, I'm kind of adjusting the thing as we go and just figuring it out. But, but, but the idea is that everything feeds into it and I'm loop, I'm, I'm creating more loops on it. Just like you would with an aquaponic system. When you get inspired, you're like, okay, let's loop off to a lettuce thing. Let's loop off to a pepper thing. You know, I'm doing that, but on a 10 acre scale. So I'm looping up to my cows, you know, looping up to this, this little fish pond and, and all my little projects. Um, I look forward to seeing it. 
yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you uh, letting me get a chance to, to, to share it. Yeah, yeah, our pleasure. You guys will both be there. Hey, um, it's 1030 here on the East Coast. Um, I'm going to sign off for now. Josh, it was good meeting you here on the computer, and I'll be seeing you again in about a week and a half. And Steve, thank you again for having me on. I appreciate it. You've always... Uh, been a good friend to the association and that will continue so talk soon everybody take it easy so, man have a good night you too and uh, if you guys are interested in supporting uh, educational initiatives um, sane regulatory systems and all the wonderful things that we also cherish in the cannabis industry please you know definitely spend the 100 bucks a year whatever it is and, uh, and support the, the association it really does help move a lot of things forward and not only that but a lot of it goes towards teaching kids about agriculture which i think we can all get behind a thousand and ten percent so what's new with you josh you got all kinds of cool shit going on man i do too but man i just like want to tag on to that last part because i think that's like one of the coolest thing coolest most underrated things about aquaponics is how it's creeped into the school system um more than regular gardening it's it's really interesting like something about growing plants in water uh whether it be aquaponics or hydroponics really intrigues people um my, my, my very best friend that I've, I've been best buddies with since early junior high he hit me up the like a, a month or two ago and he's like man i want to grow hydroponics indoors you know and he wanted he sent me all these he, like he'd been doing all this research and then he after he hit me up and i'm like dude why don't you just like put put some plants in a, in a, in a bag of soil, you know, it was my first inclination to him, um, to, you know, like to start off, right. Like that's, that's my first inclination. If you want to grow plants, like put a plant in a little pot of soil and, and, and do that. But at the same time, I, I, I step back knowing my friend, you know, from junior high and he is so into design and technology and, and, and it just really like spoke to me and, and I kind of took a, a glimpse into the world of, of why everyone's so excited about it is because it's cool and, and kind of techie and you can fit a lot into a small space relative to soil growing. Um, so I just really like, I don't know, am stoked that aquaponics has been such a cool force in uh, education in the world. It's really crept into the, to the schools and I don't know. A ramble, but no, I, it's something I'm deeply passionate about as well. And a lot of people don't know, and I don't talk about it much, but I used to be a, a, a what do they call them? Guest teacher or guest speaker um, for the science or earth and sciences charter school uh, in Cherry Hill in LA. And I used to, when I was living in SoCal, I used to go up there once a month and give talks to the kids. And, you know, it was always funny. They'd be like high school kids or whatever. And and the first time you go there, they're like completely disinterested because they're like, fuck this roses and gardening shit. Like I'm, I want to go like be on Twitter and do stupid shit. So, um, and then you, they come there and they see a dude with, with long dreads and, and you can get into like, aquaponics yeah. and then go on Twitter and do stupid shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. But they see someone that looks like me, someone who's like, looks like a stoner or whatever. And they're like, can you grow weed in aquaponics? And I'm like, no. 
And if you go online to the Growing with Fishes podcast, there's most definitely not hundreds of hours of information on that exact topic, you know, but suddenly the kid that was like getting straight Fs is teaching the rest of this, the class chemistry, right? Like it completely transforms a lot of these kids where they just didn't have the thing that interested them to spark it. I think that that's what the, the, the education system suffocates these kids is they don't get that excitement, that interest that makes them want to run with it makes them want to teach themselves that's one of the best gifts that i was ever taught i got i got thrown out of the main high school and sent to an alternative school for a little while and the teacher there you you had an idea you could either write a paper that they chose the topic on for like two to four pages or whatever or you could choose a topic but you had to write an eight to ten page paper it had to be two or three times longer but you could do something that interests you and it, it really kind of taught you to do more work, but in the direction of shit that interests you, but you're going to have to work harder. And, and that was one of the best things I've ever been taught from the whole school system. I was there and, and just that kind of made me strive to learn in a, in a different way. No, man, hundred percent. I mean, for me as well, like it, um, I struggled in the, in the education system big time. And it, it really wasn't until I, you know, I've kind of, I've told you, Steve, this story. I've told other people the story when I got into that car accident, the bicycle car accident. And I really just kind of was confronted with a bunch of stuff in my late twenties. And, and I got inspired by growing um, weed and it, it turned in, and I was, I was already learning about the natural world, but it, it just turned on my, it engaged me. And I, I literally read almost every book in the Powell's library system on organic gardening over the course of like nine months, a year. And I, I had, I remember just thinking like, I haven't learned so much. I've learned more in this nine months than I have in my entire goddamn life. And I was just, it was, you know, and, and, and that, that fire hasn't turned off since 2000, whatever, uh, you know, it's, it's still just as strong and, um, and it's because of interest. And, and that's like where I think uh, that the education system really fails, you know, not to diverge too much, but it, it, it pushes uh, information before desire. And um, yeah, as I'm, I'm learning to be a father and raise my kid, I'm trying to figure it out, but I want him to, to, to ideally like, find desire and passion for something and let that drive the education, whatever the fuck it is. It could be anything in the world. It literally, he could, in, in that, that whatever it is can focus him to learn how to read, to learn how to do mathematics, to learn how to do all these complex things. You know, my desire to grow really good weed that tastes good in my mouth has learned, has taught me so many things, chemistry, biology, like I'm deep into biology, deeper than a lot of collegiate people are just after the pursuit of smoking a good joint, you know, it's pretty fucking cool. Um, I'm into this aquaponics thing. I've gotten into composting and, and I actually put on a college conference and like breed seeds now, like all this stuff has come out of like literally just wanting to smoke a good doobie, you know? Um, and it, and, and the, the, the drive is still there. Like I still just want to smoke a good doobie and that's what's driving all of this. And anyways, I'm not watching the chat, but I'm, I'm sure people are like, fuck yeah, let's fucking smoke a doobie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, uh, the other thing with education and aquaponics is that it's great because it doesn't matter if I'm teaching kindergartners or high school kids, I can make curriculum on that. I can teach 
uh, uh, you know, first and second elementary school kids about basic biology and the basic, you know, food cycles and food, um, nutrient uh, recycling and, and all this type of stuff. And then we can get it middle school, high school, we can get into the chemistry and the physics and how bell siphons work and water chemistry and, and plant biology and insect biology and, and all, you know, you, you can kind of go as, as uh, macroscopic or microscopic as you want on the topics and the depth of it and the different um, you know, uh, it re really is just simply one of probably the single best thing you can put in a classroom in terms of the ability to generate such a wide range of different curriculum. There really is few things that you can do. Even a regular soil garden doesn't even have half as many. That's true. It really is true with it, with the pumps and, and the, the energy conservation, it really pushes so much and so much creativity. Like the, the idea of I mean, like I, I like I, I'll keep going back to my son because he's the center of my world. But, you know, I'm watching him play in a sandbox and turn on the water and watch the water flow and dam it and do, you know what I mean? Like make all the little ponds and puddles. And we all did that as a kid. You know, any chance we had, I, I fucking love that. And and aquaponics to me, when I got to, like into that, it was like that was the ultimate version of that like you know it's like we how low can we go literally you know pump it up high and then how low can how many levels of cool shit can we add along the way till we get to the very bottom of the bottom and then pump it back up oh yeah but not only that like I, my first exposure to aquaponics was i don't know if you remember this they used to sell i don't remember what company it was i think it was what became perfecto which i forget were they all glass i think they were called before that, um, they used to make a thing called a river tank kit. Do you remember that? It was an insert no. that silicone into the tank and it would create like a multi-tiered thing uh, with the opening for the water in the front. So you could see the fish and the diff going up the stream or down the stream. And it had little, the pump had little channels that you'd hook the hose up to uh, with like a T uh, at the different levels. And it would spit water out to go like super slow trickle into the different uh, pockets that had plants so it would like filter it was a, a aquaponics system but before you know aquaponics kind of had a name um uh, that was the first time i'd ever seen one and then you know my uncle used to work for disney so i got chances to tour the one at epcot quite a few times uh, as a kid so um, super cool do you want to uh, watch tell everybody about the conference you have coming up i gotta run to the restaurant <laughs> Be a great time for you to tell everybody about the conference, some of the dates, and some of the awesome speakers you got lined up because you've been working as hard as I am on that stuff. Yeah, it's um, my my I'm I'm starting to really focus on it. Um, it's the Science of Regenerative Organic Cannabis Cultivation Conference. Um, it's a touring conference. Uh, the the locations are uh, Humboldt, California, and Garberville. Um, Michigan near um, Ann Arbor area and <clears throat> in Maine in uh, just north of Portland in Dresden and then we're going to do uh, Oklahoma City will be that be a new year this a new place this year so there's four of them and they, uh, they they're the last month the last weekend of each month so last weekend of January we're in Humboldt last weekend of um, February we're in <laughs> excuse me <coughs> Michigan Last weekend of March, we're in Maine, and last weekend of May, we're in um, Oklahoma City, and um, yeah, it's uh, 
you know, it's, it's the science of regenerative cannabis cultivation. So that's the focus point this year. We're focusing on water. Um, like I was kind of saying earlier, um, as far as speakers go, uh, we've kind of had a, a touring group of speakers, you know, being a handful of us that have, have gone on through the, this is now the fourth year uh, of this conference tour, which is pretty fucking amazing. And um, kind of, we have a handful of staples, Chris Trump being one um, who teaches on natural farming, KNF green natural farming. Um, he's become wildly popular in the last few years and has dug really deep into you know, all the aspects in the core of uh, Korean natural farming. And so he'll be talking. I, when I told him, you know, all the speakers, when I said water, they kind of like had a pause. And then I, as I elaborated more, they really lit up and, and, and caught on to the idea of focusing within their spectrum, you know, for Chris Trump within his spectrum of natural farming on water, because it's such a, you know, in everything that we do, it's such a big, a big uh, integral factor. So um, also, uh, Suzanne Wainwright Evans, the bug lady who uh, is an entomologist and teaches, teaches us all about uh, beneficial insects and, um, and how to, you know, she, she really has a, a large scope in terms of her, her access to big commercial gardens. And she really sees a lot and is able to, to bring that experience and education to us. In the last like four years, she's been focusing tremendously um, um, on cannabis and it's been really cool. And she's been working with a ton of cannabis growers and, and, um, so yeah, we, we really welcome her and excited for what she brings. Um, of course, uh, the, the, the always, uh, welcome dragonfly earth medicine will be part of part of the deal, hoping that, uh, all is good with the COVID. We're still kind of like fingers crossed, you know, cause they live up in Canada they are U.S. citizens, but they they live in Canada, and so um, it, it, there's some challenges with COVID. But we're really just crossing our fingers, hoping that they can come. They bring such a powerful energy and and love for the planet, um, love for the earth, that I really really connect deeply with them on. And and they have a, a permaculture background. They have, they they build they have their own nutrient line that's based all in in natural herbs and kelps and cacao and all these really cool things. Um, yeah, those, those photos kind of speak for themselves. You can kind of just glance their, their social media and you can see literally the depth of their connection to, to, to the mother earth. It's, it's pretty fucking beautiful. The, the, the two of them have a beautiful passion and they're, they're now joined by their uh, son, Sky and his partner. Um, so it's kind of a foursome. Maybe there's some other folks to help, but they're, they're a cool fucking team. Um, and then uh, my, my super cool friend, Kevin, Ke Kevin Jodry is going to be uh, rocking um, the Sunday genetic team. And um, what, what, what we do typically on Sunday is, is Kevin kind of hops up and he, he kind of gives his scope of where he's seeing the, the industry um, at the moment. And then he, he brings on a bunch of breeders, local breeders usually um, that represent the region and we get to interview them and talk about, he interviews them and talks about, you know, all that they have going on and kind of pulls out um, that sort of stuff. So that each region can, can tap into genetics that are working well within their region for different things. Um, so that's kind of the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, and then the Friday, we're kind of, I'm kind of piecing together a little bit. I have, uh, there's a couple, Steve and I will be both speaking. 
um, on those days. I'm going to be giving a tour of my farm and, and talking through some of that. Um, and Steve's going to be talking about water in relation to aquaponics and and really water in relation to, you know, Steve's wheelhouse in my mind uh, is is beyond aquaponics. It's it's really deeply rooted to sustainability and in energy sustainability. And I feel like he gets wrapped up as the aquaponics dude, but I really look up to Steve personally as like the sustainability dude who like talks about, you know, holding a lot of energy and conserving a lot of energy and really doing things on a, on an extremely sustainable level while maintaining crop quality, you know, that, and that's really the, the caveat, you know, like you could be sustainable in the terms of, of just not using a lot, but you could also be sustainable in the terms of like meeting the crop standards, producing within the region and, and delivering locally. And that's kind of where Steve and I align. I'm in the, in that realm of, of, of producing high quality controlled environment agriculture, if you will. Um, and then reducing the inputs, reducing, reducing, reducing to an extreme level where you're, you're almost off, off of it. You know, I, that's the goal is to get hundred percent, hundred percent, Mike, there's going to be a day when that happens. And I'm going to be like, my fucking farm is hundred percent off the grid. And I'm like, I, I, I'm going to rejoice. You know, I could feel the energy. I want to, on that note, let me just jump in for two seconds. Yeah. This is a project I'm working on with a, a bunch of sustainable people. And if you're interested in being part of this project, let me know. Um, it's called the Open Nutrient Project, and it aims to do the exact thing that you're just talking about. It's a database that we're working on um, that will be regularly published. Um, but basically, um, it includes a whole bunch of um, testing methods uh, to make your life simple. Um, the different nutrient methodologies, which I'm finishing putting together. Um, don't want to hit that button. Uh, soil tests and a bunch of other stuff, but then also going down to um, people will be able to put their multi input inputs in there, their single input data um, for ferments, composts, whatever, but it also has reference tables based on Dr. Dukes with all of the links directly back to the source material. This has taken me many hours to compile. Um, uh, and rip from different sources um, with sources back to the original link, uh, parts per million and all this other stuff to try and simplify this. Uh, it also includes mercury, heavy metals and things to avoid. Um, and then a bunch of just aggregated plant data and a bunch of other things um, to try and simplify this because there's so many different people working in so many different spaces. You have the, the compost people and the KNF people and the natural farming people and uh, you know, uh, lots of different circles. If we can aggregate a lot of this data into one central point and do regular formal releases and, and as like a, you know, the newest version of that book or, or not book as in published, but book as in free published PDF that everyone has access to if you're in Africa, if you're in India, if you're in wherever. But the idea is to start to compile this because if you look at a lot of the work of people like Dr. Lane Ingham and, um, and Chris Trump and um, um, Dr. Master Cho and um, uh, and I'll even include some new people like um, Quan Khan Fem and some of the other cool new researchers that are working on on liquid ferments and some of this other stuff. We really can achieve a point where we don't need to have any inputs anymore except for what we grow on the farm. And and especially if you have a lot of land and you have the, the space to spread out a bit, we really can achieve that. And we're seeing data points now with some of the early testing on, on, on we need to test more plants so that we can balance everything out. But 
we can do this. And there's a, not only that, but you also gain benefits of certain uh, things like phycocyanin and plant hormones and, plant, and different uh, things that trigger terpene expressions or immune system responses or other things that are f even more valuable than just the raw minerals. So um, it really is one of the cooler projects. We're working together with lots of different people on that. Um, who I'm gonna, I'll leave anonymous because we do have an option if you wanna be published or anonymous in the data. Um, but uh, if you are interested, please email me at Open Cannabis Project or Open Nutrient Project, not Open Cannabis, Open Nutrient Project, uh, and uh, uh, I'll get you the uh, the info on that. And if you want to participate, uh, we'll add you as a participant. Um, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interject on your on your speaker talk, but it's something that I've been I put a lot of time into, and it's something I had had this idea in my head for like two years, and then um, after talking with Quan Con Fem, I was like, oh shit we really need to get this going. And then also like, I think everyone right now is kind of in this despair mental space where like prices are down, the economy's down, things aren't looking so great for the world and the country right now. And we need something that we can do an action to, to fix shit, right? We can sit around and complain all we want. We need something that we can focus on to, to start to change things. And if we can create this database that farmers around the world can use, for sourcing nutrients and sourcing inputs and other things, that's going to be transformative in a way that can have that kind of pushback against something that big. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, I just kind of was, was got, got a little bit sidetracked by the, the concept of actionable information. I think that's really, uh, uh, powerful term you know like uh often we can hear a lot you know like you come you could come to this conference the regenerative conference or the aquaponic cannabis conference uh or the the association cannabis conference and and not not you know get get so much information that you don't know how to take a little action that's where i was kind of going with and like i don't know i just got kind of got sidetracked in my mind with like i think that that's one of the reasons that knf has become so popular is because it's a it's a really actionable way that people can can participate in in the the process and it feels really good to make a nutrient um you know whether it be an fpj or whatever um and, and to do these these process processes you know and um yeah i don't know so i was just kind of go thinking about that in my head now i'm talking about why i spaced up but yeah i i'm uh the, so so back to the conference um that, that saturday and sunday are kind of lined out uh steve and i are locked down for fridays and there's there's two to three other people that i'm i'm in negotiate you know working on locking down let's say it that way um, that I'm really excited about and, um, it's going to be a good tour. It's going to be really fun and, um, shit, uh, it's coming up quick to be honest. Uh, we're going to drop tickets November 1st. Um, it's going to drop as an NFT to be on, to, to, to let you know, um, no one has done that yet in, within the cannabis community as an NFT for a conference. So it'll be, uh, a, an NFT, which is, uh, stands for non-fungible token. And, um, and what it is, is, is it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a cryptocurrency. So you'll be able to, the way it will practically work is you'll go on onto the website and you'll buy, buy it with your credit card and then you'll own this, this token, 
um, that will have a, a logo and, and something attached to it to attach to it, but it also have a smart contract attached to it that gives you admission to the conference that you're buying a token for. Um, and that token will also uh, be it have attached to it a, a seed pack or two. Um, I, I'm, I'm holding back on releasing what that seed back pack will be, but I guarantee it will be something pretty big because I'm, I'm holding uh, the, the weight of a thousand people's worth of tickets spread across the country um, to, and to hold these seeds and then that translate into a breeding project um, is really where I'm going with it. And so that, that down the road, we could um, select different you know, cuts or different, different lines from this project within each region and then um, potentially capitalize on it um, down the road. And so that each token could be worth something of the whole, you know, for say, say uh, somebody in, in Maine pulls out a really fucking cool cut that's, that's, you know, we all want to latch onto and put out into the open market. Well, we can all have a piece of that through this, through the, through the, the NFT and in the contract. And so that's how it'll be built out is that you, the NFT, as you buy the NFT, it gives you admission to the conference. It gives you access to the genetics that, that, that are then forth uh, locked down. You know, so as if you, if you pass on the genetics or if you pass on the token, that passes with. And it's, um, I'm kind of doing a bad job of explaining it, but um, I'm really excited about the concept. And I actually think that it, it's going to build a lot of momentum and a lot of um, uh, what's the word? Uh, profit, um, nostalgia, uh, all of the above, you know, um, going forward. You know, I, I really think a group reading project um, and, and the beauty of it is it's on the blockchain, right? So, so that, 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 that it's, it's, it's on the blockchain and it's all publicly ledgered, you know? So if someone has, if whoever buys the conference ticket has the seeds and then as those seeds get transferred and moved down the line, there are, they're, they're, they're locked. Sorry. I'm kind of doing a bad job of explaining it. Steve's laughing at me or laughing at the, the no, chat. I can tell. No, I, I uh, was just laughing that there's a, uh, I've always thought that in, idea interesting about the, the genetics on that. And it's something that I brought up at a, who was it? I was at some in-person talk. It was either earlier this year or the end of last year. And there is, I love those of you that don't know me or my history. I love to give people that want to patent cannabis a really hard fucking time. Uh, and uh, sure. I went to a talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I went to a talk in person because there was this guy giving a talk on it. And it was one of the things I presented or not presented, but I asked him, I said, why can't someone <laughs> NFT? It was right when, whatever they launched last year or right after that. I said, why couldn't someone take a picture of the genetics, get it genetically analyzed, take a picture of that, make it an NFT and preserve it that way? Legally speaking, you'd have documented record of those genetics in a way that could not be replicated. But, pro but provenance is, it also comes into play, right? So, so in provenance only starts from the point of record, right? And so this is essentially like the starting point, right? And then you, you, you can, it, it only is what it is. Like, yeah, it's, it, maybe it's a bullshit starting point compared to where things really started. But it, for, for moving forward from here, it, it's a starting point to, 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 to collect provenance versus it being like some IG thing that's like, 
oh yeah, I got the cut from Kevin Jodry who gave, I gave the cut to Dutch Blooms and gave it to this dude. And then it passed on this dude. Like that's a real story that, 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 you know, something like that could happen. Right. And, and does, right. But like, but to actually have it on the, on the public ledger is really where the value is because then you can, you can see the transaction. You can go back and verify like, oh yeah, that thing did come. And, and then, you know, in, in our industry specifically, we 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 really do have to rely on on the the history and the taste buds of the community to say hey like those group of dudes are online talking about this thing together and they all verify that they all have it you know what i mean like um because there's certain things that that the whole community hasn't tasted you know like there's like flavors as we start going down the list of classic cultivars there's a lot of people that haven't tasted a lot of them, you know, so they have to kind of rely on this, this, this history of, of, of folks, you know. Uh, absolutely. So um, uh, remind everybody what the conference is and then the schedule as well. Uh, I don't think you've mentioned where and the dates yet. Yeah, I did earlier when you when you stepped out. It's uh, you can check it out on. There's nothing online yet. Uh, it will be dropped at regenerativeorganiccannabis.com in a few weeks. Uh, November first, we're going <clears> to <throat> release the the NFT tickets. Um, and uh, so yeah, the, the, it will be in Humboldt the last weekend of January, in uh, Michigan the last weekend of February, in Maine the last weekend of March, and Oklahoma City the last weekend of um, April, and. Um, then we're gonna we're gonna take a little break from there and uh, probably do something in Washington, um, maybe in June. It's kind of <clears throat> kind of on my on my mind. Maybe a seed release party or something like that. Um, there's a lot, and I see people talking about the NFT scams. There's a ton of NFT scams, for sure. And I think that 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 is going to build and build and build. And from what I the way I understand it, 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 it a scam is a scam. And a real deal is a real deal. And so the, the, the basis of it is that, that it's a blockchain public ledger that you can attach uh, a, a, con a smart contract to. And so as long as that contract is, it holds all the things that you're, you're stoked on, you know, then it's, then it's, a, it's a good deal, right? Um, um, this is, this is the, uh, me selling a, an NFT in a conference is not like building on some potential wealth. It really is like, this is the way I'm dropping the conference and then I'm attaching seeds to it. And then we could kind of do a cool thing together as a community. If it doesn't turn out to be anything, it's, it's no sweat off anyone's back because I'm, we're not charging an exorbitant price for, for this art thing. We're just attaching it to um, a conference that gives us the ability to move forward together as a group, you know? So I, for me, uh, in my mind, it's, it's a way to like, kind of like use the technology to do a cool thing within my community that I have access to that. That's really what it is. Cause I, I'm, I'm doing the conference regardless. The price is the same, regardless. All I'm doing is changing the format and adding uh, um, some benefit, some potential benefit. I think it's a great idea, especially the way that you're doing it. You can, it's like anything, you can misuse it or use it the right way. And I think this is really a way that a lot of people have had, you know, there's been a lot of ideas around it. And I think it's going to be neat to kind of, just like you were talking about earlier, like we can sit around and bitch about it or we can at least try and do something, right? Like, right. 
And there's going to be so, some some bullshits. I mean, they're, they're, like right now we're seeing it in the art world where like people are selling like Pikachu pictures and it's like really hard for us to fathom like the value of this and like, but scrap that aside. Imagine, you know, imagine that you put your house in, in an NFT, you know, and my house now has all the contracts and, and everything inside the house and I don't need to go to the title company to transfer my house. I don't need 45 days and appraisers and all that bullshit. It's all attached in the NFT. And, and I say, Steve, you want to buy my house? He's like, fuck. If you can do a, a two gram dab, I'll buy your house. And online, I do a two gram dab. Boom. I can transfer my house to him just like that. You know, or whatever the fucking deal is, is my, my, my point. It could be as ludicrous as something as that. And we could transfer it in 30 seconds without having to go through all the title company bullshit. Um, and, and the idea can, can expound, you know, as big or as small as you want it. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely cool. What, um, uh, I know you've been working really hard on the conference, but it's, it's harvest season here. Uh, what cultivars have you been growing? Cause you've had a lot of really great pictures all, all summer. Yeah, I've uh, been working uh, the Larry Chimes, which is the cherry limeade um, outcross, and um, so I'm looking at those and I and the uh, crosses I made on those. Yeah, I'm really excited about. That's kind of been the focus of the summer. Um, the cherry lime, the Larry Chime comes through really hard. It's a strong, strong line, and and I put it on a bunch of different things. Um, the Carmelone cologne, the cocaine hippos, um, the black wop gold. Um, and, um, I'm really, I'm really enjoying digging through those and seeing how like this, the subtleties, because it really is so dominant that, out, you know, I, ran, I, I popped seeds of a, a 72, you know, 72, uh, trace cell of seeds per cultivar. So then I'm end up looking at, you know, 30 some females, right. And the Larry Chimes pushes through so hard on all of them, really, that you end up getting, you know, five to 10 out of that 30 that really start expressing the, the female side of the line. And um, that's where I'm starting to work in because I wanted to move out to that, you know. And, um, I've also dipped into uh, a lot of the root beer, the root beer, uh, the mean mug stuff has been the focus of 2021 for me. Um, I put out a bunch of those, those F1 crosses I made. Um, and I'm dipping into a bunch of other root beer stuff. I have the root beer Coca-Cola I'm looking into now and, and the, the root beer um, it's on the, uh, the chem dog special reserve was the, the male on the root beer cross. That's probably the most, the closest to the root beer mom that I have. And the, the root beers, just to give credit, are all mean gene from Mendocino. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of work with his genetics and, and, and expound upon those, add my flavor, do my picks, do some crosses. Like I, I work with a lot of his stuff because it's really solid um, and really climate resistant to, to what I'm dealing with this wet climate, you know? And, and so I take that stuff and I find the stuff that, that works within my climate and kind of move forward with it. Um, but those Kim dog special reserve root beers are really something special. Um, I found one that is, is vanilla cream soda kind of dominant. And, uh, I did an open pop pollination. It was a two, two male pollination on, on all the females. And, and I'm going to select towards that, that, that vanilla cream soda line. And, um, 
I think that's going to be, I think that that may end up being what's, what's released in NFT for the conference is those uh, root beer, um, seed chem dog special reserve. Um, I can't speak vanilla cream soda line. There we go. Um, I'll probably take that to next generation and, and then release that through, through there, which will be really fucking cool because it, it's going to give a bunch of people access to the root beer um, and that version of the cream soda that, that kind of gets opened up with the two males. So um, it's really special. I think I'm the only one um, that has opened those up ever. Not ever. No, that's not true. I think there's been a couple other people. I'm the only one that's really moving forward with it. Um, so I feel pretty honored to have that. And um, yeah, what else am I doing working with? Genetic wise, uh, working with the Bicket um, for my buddy, uh, Nick, Lime Rising Nick, uh, the Bicket OG. I've done some crosses with that. I, I really like that cross, honestly. Like it's... Uh, if Nick wasn't, you know, Nick wasn't my friend, it's honestly one of the better fucking crosses I've ever come across. It's, it's a really stellar plant. Um, it is out in my garden right now. And I have a lot of fucking botrytis all over my garden. That's just how it rolls outdoors here. And uh, none of the bickets have botrytis on it. No, none, zero fucking none. It's amazing. Um, they're going to take longer. They're not at all ready. You know, so I expect them to come in November and we'll see how that goes. But as far as resistance, they are tough as fucking nails. I've run them in the greenhouse and I they, they stack up. Um, the smell is incredible. GMO dominant plus some cherry lime shit that comes out. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch more stuff, but that's kind of some of the things that I'm I'm working on. Awesome. Is there any uh, maybe winter projects or anything that you'll be working on over the winter? Uh, or is there anything maybe maybe before that? Is there anything this year that either you thought would do really well and didn't or anything that you kind of weren't too excited, but you were like, oh, damn, when you finally feed on today? Well, yeah, truth be told, the, the mean mugs um, did really well in the greenhouse and indoor, um, but they didn't do as well outdoor. Um, compared to the next right next to the to the root beer the ends of the mean mugs are uh it's a gmo cross root beer bx to bx cross a root beer bx2 so it's heavily root beer um and, and and they just they got some butter up unfortunately um right next to the root beer chem dog special reserves that did it so it was pretty clear as, as mud um that, that those were like kind of better in, in my area, you know, in, the, in terms of fungal resistance. As far as winter projects, I'm really excited about uh, the next, I, my greenhouse is stacked up with a bunch of GMO and cocaine hippos and mean mugs that will come down around Christmas, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. And, and I'm stuffing in the, in the hollow spots of my greenhouse, a bunch of skunk stuff. Um, I got some gifted some skunk one crosses, um, for my buddy gardening with beards. He gave me two, two packs of the, of, of different 91 skunk crosses. Um, and then I got some stuff from Mr. Nice Seeds guys, uh, a master skunk, master Kush cross skunk. Um, I got, a 
the shark shock, which has the skunk and I can't remember all the crosses, but two or three things from them, those older lines. Um, and then for, for shits and giggles, I decided to call out the, uh, the fucking asshole blue sky Vienna and, uh, bought some of his seeds. And, um, so I popped those, uh, did not have a great germination rate, but we're not judging yet. We'll run them all the way through. But um, fuck that guy for being a dick in general. But uh, I shouldn't even be talking about him, giving him the airspace. But um, I bought the seeds because I like, just like everybody else, I can't withstand a good Jerry Springer show, you know. So fuck. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and run the Jerry Springer seeds. But yeah, no, so I'm going after the skunk uh, a little bit, you know, with what was given to me and see. Um, run my uh roll my roll my uh what do you roll the dice at the wheel or whatever they say you know we'll see what happens i was supposed to go over to south africa in november it looks like i'm going to be headed over there a little later probably right after your conferences um just because of some delays that we've had um but uh they have a bunch of supposedly old school 80s and early 90s skunk strains that uh I will definitely have to find ways to get back here uh, to the States because uh, if it's true and they do have some old lines, people want those real bad. So, and that's, what's yeah. cool. I think you're going to see very soon in the next one to two years, international exports, at least for genetics, uh, as long as everything is phytosanitary, phytosanitary certificated um, that it shouldn't be too much of an issue. That's all we really had to do for Zimbabwe. It wasn't, you know, a huge deal. It was a bit of a pain in the ass, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't it, you know, by any means impossible. So I think, uh, you know, as the uh, future goes on, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of uh, breeders in the United States partnering up with some of the South African and Colombian breeders uh, to basically, you know, hey, if you have a great run, you get batched out in the off season and get those seeds on the market in time for spring, um, you know, by producing it traditionally in, you know, the other hemisphere. So I think that's going to become... You know, especially long-term for the craft game, uh, something that I think you'll see. And regionally specific uh, genetics, you know, like we see this in, in, I was just talking before I got on here, I was on a clubhouse um, talking about genetics with some dudes and I was, I was wanting to comment, but I couldn't, didn't get a chance to comment to bring in like regionally specific you know I, we see this in vegetables you know so i, I grew heirloom tomatoes and, and super hot peppers and you know so if you, if you want to like be a tomato farmer right let's just talk about that you you open up there's so many goddamn catalogs let's just start there so many goddamn catalogs then say you say you narrow your your tomato buying to organic you know, let's i mean maybe we should reverse maybe 10 years, five years back too, because now that, that game has opened up so much. But five years ago, you narrow your tomato selection to organic and you've, you've lit, dropped it down to five, 10 producers, ma mass producers in the States. You know, you have territorial, um, high mowing, um, Johnny Seeds. Um, who else is there? There's uh, Baker Creek. Baker Creek. Um, Uprising is someone up here in Bellingham that I re I'm really into. There's a handful of them. And, and as you look through the, those kind of catalogs, you'll see they all still carry 20 to 30 varieties, 60 varieties of tomatoes. 
and you're thumbing through and some are kind of like have some numbers and some weird shit and you're like oh gosh and then there's one that's called like mortgage saver and you're like okay maybe that one's cool and and then you find a a, a pink one and maybe a green one with, with the green zebra and you're like okay that green zebra is pretty cool so you know you anyways like you pull off some that you like and you grow them in your region and you find one or two that can kind of work in your region and then you rep reproduce that so let's say, for example, green zebra. It's a pretty common heirloom that's available at this point. It wasn't 10 years ago, but at this point, it's available in almost every organic catalog, right? And because it's an old variety, but it's very sweet, very, it's, you know, it's, we'd call it the dank. It'd be like having an SFBOG, you know? But it's, but when I go to buy it, I could buy it from high mowing in the East Coast. I think they're in Maine. I could buy it from Territorial in Oregon. I could buy it up from Uprising in Bellingham, Washington. I could buy it from Johnny's, which is in like New York area. Where are they? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, but I think they're East Coast-ish. Um, Steve will look it up. Either way, my point is that they're, they're like folks have taken these heirloom varietals and they've cultivated them within their region and they've made them regionally specific you know, and so you'd, you'd want to buy if you if you live in Washington and you want to grow the green zebra, you'd want to buy it from these guys uprising because that they grow it here and they've been breeding here for a number of years. Right. Um, and so I think that's where we're, that's a, a thing that will come out in the future. You know, um, I'm working on some Afghani varieties that, that work well in my region, um, you know, some bulk and some Hindu and they're they're traditionally not from here and, and traditionally wouldn't do that well here because it's so wet here compared to Afghanistan. It's very dry. Um, but I, I found... Johnny's is based in Winslow, Maine. Yeah. So I was, I wasn't too off there in Maine. Yeah. Where's high mowing They're in like New York or something. High mowing is the shit. You guys, if you don't know about high mowing seeds, I really like, they have some, some badass microgreens. Look at those peppers. This is high mowing. High mowing yeah. is really good, especially if you want organic certified or certified non-GMO. Um, the other good one I was going to mention is uh, rare seeds. Rare seeds. That's uh, Baker Creek, isn't it? Yeah, Baker yeah, Creek. Yeah, Baker because Creek. If you somehow are in gar into gardening and, and just, I can't imagine how, but somehow haven't found this website. Like they have some of the cool, like look at the color on those tomatoes. There's like six different colors on that one tomato. Like it's, it's truly kind of the high end, weird, funky. I want something that looks different than my neighbor. Uh, and not and only that, savers, but there's flavor varieties. The Seed Savers Exchange, we can't forget them. They're the, the OGs. Um, yep. The Seed Savers Exchange, they're in the Midwest somewhere. But um, that's that, that my kind of thought was that, that like we will, we will have this you know, and we could look at each one of these seed banks and find the exact same Cherokee purple. I guarantee the exact same Cherokee purple seeds, tomato seeds, and they, their own version of it. So they've grown in their region. Look at they have right there. What is those peppers? Uh, Arusio. Skin Italian. I thought those were maybe some, some hot peppers, but no. Um, the other one I was going to say is world-class seeds. I think it's called... World class, yeah, world class gardening. I'm sorry, 
Uh, this is a place that I like to get. This is like uh, a weed breeder website, right? So like you want to get uh, the biggest tomatoes you can get your hands on. Oh, nice. Yeah, or all different types of funky stuff. They got tons of heirloom stuff. Giant, well, obviously I'm clicking on the wrong categories, but um, but they, you know, here's world-class Maros. So if you want to get 111 pound cucumber <laughs> or something like that, you know, uh, um, uh, giant tomato seeds, you know, five and a half pound tomatoes, three and a half pound tomatoes. If you want seeds from shit like that, if you want to go into competition growing or like you really have a bone out to, to piss off your neighbor and grow bigger than what they did, get the seeds for the eight pound seed uh, uh, tomato, you know, like cheat. You just get the better seeds, right? Like, <laughs> right. No. So that's like, uh, that's what I did. I just, I, I just bought, um, we're, we used to live in Minnesota and there's a St. Croix growers Alliance. They, and they, they grow giant pumpkins and gourds and, uh, they would have a festival like three miles from where I used to live in, in Stillwater, Minnesota. And uh, anyway, so they, they, it's a whole club and they're, they're badass. And I just ordered their, I don't know what, it, what they, what, what the pack, the package was called, but it has like, you know, five or 10 uh, seeds from each of their top over 200, 2,500 pound pumpkin varieties. Right. And so I, I was talking to my son, he's four. I'm like, dude, let's start let's start a giant pumpkin company. He's like, let's do it, dad. Let's do it, dad. Like, he's like totally in the like, let's do it, dad mode. And I'm like, yes, that's all I want in life is a let's do it, dad. And, and uh, so we're going to, this summer, we're going to open pollinate all the, that fucking shit. And we're going to collect, all, we're going to do it just like we would with seed. We're going to open pollinate five varieties of giant pumpkins from the St. Croix growers. Yeah. Look up St. Croix growers. Th these guys are th just as badass. Right, um, this guy's got was it two thousand three hundred and fifty pound. Yeah, one seed is one hundred and seventy five bucks. Dude, so what I did, I bought, I bought, I bought. You you stepped out. What I did is I bought a five pack from the Saint Croix Growers Group. All the all the different varieties in the five pack. They're diff five different varietals are all over two from all from over two thousand pound pumpkins. So I'm like, all right, let's open pollinate those. And then we'll take those seeds and we'll jam into those and we'll find our monster dude. We'll make our own variety in the Northwest, you know, and most, of the, most of the super giant ones, just so that people know, like, just cause I, I happen to be a bit of a pumpkin cornicet. Uh, I, I was in half moon Bay for a while. They have one of the most premier pumpkin weighing contests worldwide. Um, the Wallace line. Um, yeah. From Wallace wow. Is, is the honestly tends to lean more towards the biggest, um, most of the genetics uh, for these ultra giant 2000 plus pound 1500 plus pound pumpkins are from the wallace line look at that but look at this this is a little girl grew this one yeah you know i mean like you you can have little kids do this stuff this is not only that but is it in Mich uh, boston i think it is or one of them they actually do a thing with kids and they take the giant pumpkins and they turn them into boats and then they have a boat yeah. race with the pumpkins that's what i told soup I, I told soup i was like we'll make fucking boats We'll go crabbing, dude, in the bay because we live right <laughs> off the bay. Let's do it, dude. <laughs> yeah, the dork of a dad. Poor kid. He's like, my dad is the dorkiest dad. He wants to grow pumpkins to make a boat. So go crabbing. <laughs> my dad's 
my dad can't even afford a real boat. He has to use a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's too preoccupied with you know, plants. He can't afford a boat. He just wants to grow a boat. <laughs> Dipshit. <laughs> but uh, I would highly encourage people if you're really into this type of stuff. Uh, to be honest with you, one of the best places these days is a lot of the different Facebook groups. And, you know, I know I'm in a bunch of pepper groups, and I'll be frankly honest with you: some of the grow rooms some of these pepper people have would make a lot of weed growers jealous. The level 100%. of climate control, lighting, and CO2, and all that, like, and, and computer controllers, and all the, like, all the stuff that we drew for, they're doing, you know, 10 times more. Um, uh, also, wanted to shout out giant watermelon growers. Uh, uh, Chris Trump the other day posted one, uh, a KNF producer grew is 310 pounds. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're dipping into the, the peppers too, man. Um, I started dipping in back in 2010 i was i was cultivating ghost peppers and carolina reapers and um in 2016 right before my son was born <clears throat> i did i bought like a thousand dollars worth of carolina reaper seeds from pepper joe's um which is like trademarked and, and back if you look back in time that was you know you could pretty much only get them from him and is trademarked anyways i did i i popped them all that was the, the plan and i ran them all to find a couple couple ones that worked really fucking well here and i kept the, those pods and i still have like two or three mason jars of those pods um so i'm i'm gonna move forward with those and and a bunch of other ones um i'm kind of i started earlier on in the game and took a break you know and got focused on cannabis but i'm gonna kind of try to hop back into it there's a thing to like, you know, with the pumpkins, the thing to do with my son that's not as cannabis focused that we can kind of do together and sell at the, the edge of the farm and maybe do a farmer's market, you know, is a way to connect and like teach him about money and, and, and stuff like that. You know, that's really my goal. Not only that, but you have areas that are walled in and permitted and areas that aren't on your on your property. Right. You have, uh, something that's cool to do with the, the rest of the space. A lot, of the, a lot of people don't know how many different crops that you grow. You really grow a diverse array of different things there. You have all kinds of fruit trees and tons of berries. And, you know, you really have a food forest going on. I think it's probably a much better way to describe your farm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're I mean, I'm really dipping into the wild stuff too, man. I, I, I do have, the farm is, is bountiful. Um, we're, we're digging into mushrooms. Um, but uh, we're also digging into like, like a coffee. Um let me take this hit and I'll. Sure. And uh, for those of you guys that, that are just catching us later on, be sure to check out earlier in the episode of Brian Flipovich from the Agapon Association. <laughs> about all the wonderful things that they were doing earlier. You can check them out over at Agapon Association. Uh, I got, um, when I moved to Portland and, and met my wife, I got really into coffee. I mean, I've always been into coffee, but I got really into Portland coffee and started roasting. And it's, it's kind of been a thing that, that has really stuck through and part of my daily practice in my life. Um, and, and I've collected different beans um, throughout the last like six years, 10 years. And um, I'm, I'm mostly like African stuff, Ethiopian, um, pretty predominantly Ethiopian varietals. Yurkachev, um, Sadamos, 
And I just started <coughs> coffee is really hard to germinate. It's really fucking hard to germinate. If you, if you guys don't know, um, please, someone raise their hand. If you've germinated coffee from a coffee from a bean, it's fucking hard um, because they only germinate well when they're fresh and we don't get berries fresh over, you know, from Africa over here very easily. Um, so we get these dried bean, dried green beans, which is fine, um, but they're really hard to germinate. And I've had very, very low success. And I've just recently had a little bit of success with some like, like four-year-old Yergachev um, from this, you know, I don't even remember the region. I, it's, it's all written down, but um, I don't know. I'm just fucking around with boutique stuff, man. And I, I think there's someone else out there that might be into coffee as much as I am that they want to you know want some cuttings off my shit you know that they can off the off these these plants that they grow a little bit in their in their backyard or in their greenhouse and um roast and have some fun with you know shout out to uh purity coffee jordan rivers from uh grow Cat. yeah for sure actually uh I, I gotta pop off my wife's is, is messaging me i gotta go do some take care of the family but um sure thanks for coming on man why don't you tell everybody how to find you and then uh how to how to find out info on your your upcoming conference too yeah no appreciate you letting me come on steve um um and and getting a chance to connect with brian and um with everybody as usual but um i'm dutch blooms on ig and um you can check out my seed company, uh, regenerativeseeds.com. Uh, and then uh, for the conferences, you can go there or you can go to regenerativeorganiccannabis.com, um, which that website will be kind of repopulated here in the next two weeks. We're behind the scenes. I have a, some, some folks helping with me on, on rebuilding a bunch of the web stuff. It's, it's a lot of work to get that done. And that's the bulk of, to launch an NFT, that's the bulk of the work. So um yeah check me out there and then on youtube i also have a channel that i interview different breeders mostly and then i'll post the conferences on so if you're you're curious about a a, a prelude to what the conference might be you could go you could go um and check out my youtube page and there's a there's a series of, of videos you could go back onto the potent ponics page um steve has posted some uh throughout the summer he's reposted some of those videos which has been really cool and you can get a feel as to kind of like what the vibe is. Um, but really there's a ton of education there that the, but the heart of the thing is you, you cannot, they cannot be replaced online. And I really appreciate uh, Steve, you know, I, I don't mean to say this to detract from the online conference that you're doing, but you cannot replace what happens in the, in the, the physical uh, person to person thing in these these regenerative conferences and it wasn't something that I intended to build or it just happened and it's just the 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 power of, of the human connection um, within your region I've seen people that have started businesses many people have started businesses friendships uh, learning um, opportunities like it's just been a really cool thing. And people, I, I, I can't tell you how many people, it's not five, 10, it's so many people that I can't count have told me it's been a life-changing experience. Um, so many people. And, and I really, it, it doesn't have to do with me. I don't take that credit. When someone says that, I'm like, I didn't fucking change your life. All I did was organize some speakers. But when in reality, what happened was there, there's a platform there and the, the speakers are such a quality 
and they're there to connect with people that 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 there is real human connection and real learning that progresses massively and so that is what is life-changing um so i would encourage you you all if you're um at all if you can come come um it's a cool thing to do it, it'll really it'll really be worthwhile worthwhile jam in addition to that you have the amazing seed swap on the the last day you have um, and, and to me, it, it kind of refill, you know, we all get kind of slowly burned out over the year and harvest season and everything. And it really kind of refills, refills your fuel tank. I mean, I think almost every night I've, I've gone to the conferences, I've ended up hanging out with other speakers and, and participants and other things, or, or even people that were just there attending and talking to them till midnight, 2 a.m. I know that one night we were... <laughs> It was quite a group of us till three or four in the morning uh, talking with Kevin and the rest of them and and really had a really, I mean, I, you learn almost as much there as you do at the conference. So it really is kind of a different way. And what's different about Josh's conference is it really just is a bunch of hardcore growers that are industry people that are working at a large scale or at the very least at the craft scale, you know, at, at minimum, um, that know what the fuck they're talking about and can defend what they're talking about and their viewpoint and explain why and how they got there and and, and it's, it's a completely different experience than any other conference. I, I've told this to many different people about Josh's conference. I learned more the first, uh, the first time attending the first event that he did than the previous five years of, of cannabis conferences combined. Um, it really is a whole different level and kind of like weed college, to be honest with you, uh, uh, for, uh, for people that are really doing this for a living. So definitely a cool conference to check out. Thanks, man. That's, that's fucking yeah, that's really cool you say, man. All right. Um, well, um, I'll let you go. Uh, you can find, uh, how do the people find you? At Dutch Blooms, at Regenerative Cannabis. Yeah, you type in Dutch Blooms and Regenerative Cannabis, you'll find me. Um, <laughs> Dutch Blooms on IG is the best way to, to fucking find me. Um, if you got questions about the conference, hit me up on Regenerative Organic Cannabis IG. Um, um, if you have questions about the, the seeds, go to regenerativeseedco.com. So yeah, thanks, man. And um, have, sorry to have to bust out, but uh, gotta go say what's up to the family and really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for coming on, man. Cheers. All right, man. Peace. Take it easy. All right, well, um, thanks everybody for coming. Uh, again, you can check out uh, my conference, the November 13th and 14th. At the second annual virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. You can find last year's virtual aquaponic cannabis conference on my YouTube channel, Potent Ponics on YouTube. Uh, we've also re-uploaded all those versions into audio format on your favorite podcast app. Um, that's also where you can find us on the Growing With Fishes podcast um, uh, on pretty much every platform, Spotify, iTunes, Google. Um, I can't think of anything we're not on YouTube. Music, we're on um, you, uh, Amazon Music, we're on pretty much everything you can. Actually, yeah, we're, you, can, you can yell at Alexa now and tell her to put our podcast on. I forgot about that. We signed up for them about a month ago. Um, um, so uh, someone asked if we could put the Pepper groups up on Discord. Yeah, I'll throw a couple up on Discord um, uh, for you on that. I know not everybody uses Facebook. Um, uh, so uh, thanks everybody for watching again. Um, it's been a weird, wild week. Um, also next week is um, BizCon 
and the conference. So we may or may not have a, a show next week. Don't, you know, or we might do some rando lives or something, but next week don't expect normal content. Um, we either won't have content or it'll be some modified version thereof. Um, so uh, I do apologize ahead of time. Um, uh, shout out, I will be on um, Fumador's show if he's on tomorrow. And then I'll be over on um, with Chad Westport on Future Cannabis Project on Wednesday. Uh, talking doing an intro to aquaponics, a kind of a uh, introductory um, presentation for the cannabis community about aquaponics. And it's going to be geared towards both soil people and people looking to grow aquaponics. So don't just think because, oh, well, I'm a soil grower. Uh, it's not going to be in it for me. It's going to be geared specifically for people that are kind of on the fence or more soil growers that just want to kind of figure out how they can better utilize their aquariums or maybe add some supplementary methods uh, to their production. Uh, or, hey, if they want to fully convert, that's cool too. But um, it's not really aimed at trying to, to flip people completely. It's, it's aimed at kind of educating people on, on why they might want to consider that stuff. So definitely check that out. It'll be a lot of fun hanging out with Chad on Wednesday. And um, uh, Thursday, we have season from uh, Five Sisters Farms or uh, uh, from Humboldt. Um, she is, works very, uh, lives too pretty close to Wendy and they often uh, uh, do joint education and stuff like that out there. So definitely check that out. She'll be super cool guest to have on the show. She's also uh, regularly out at the, uh, the Humboldt conferences and is a great, great person to help support the conference. She really is uh, someone that's helped make a lot of the, the cannabis conferences, the regen conferences in Humboldt possible with all of her hard work. So it'd um, be really fun to have her on the show. She's an amazing grower and um, has been featured multiple times in different Humboldt uh, uh, things on her amazing uh, regenerative uh, farm there. So definitely um, looking forward to that. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. And um, uh, <laughs> That's some funny chat. Um, anyways, uh, um, uh, yeah, you can check me out on Wednesday uh, over on um, with Chad Westport over on uh, Future Cannabis Project 2 uh, and um, possibly tomorrow over on Fumies. Uh, thanks, everybody. Again, um, you can check me out over at apmjclass.com, apmjnewts.com or Growing With Fishes on your favorite podcast app. Um, also, if you're looking to get into the regenerative uh, project, um, please email me at opennutrientproject.com, especially if you are someone doing a lot of ferment or compost tea or compost research, specifically around nutrient PPMs or other compounds. Uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Um, and uh, we'll catch you guys again on Thursday.